This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Nothing can replace the pleasure of turning the pages of the printed book. Join us now as we explore our city's rich literary heritage, talking with people who are passionate about the printed word and celebrating the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute's fascinating local history. Welcome to Wireless Books. Welcome everyone and welcome Christine back to another edition of Wireless Books broadcast from the lovely studios at our Otago Access Radio in the Dunedin CBD on behalf of and for the punters of the Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute. Oh, hello Beth. Ah, so lovely to be back, isn't it? And uh, you've returned your book so there's a big smile on my face. <laughs> funny story uh, Funny thing happened on the way to the studio Got halfway here, realised I'd forgotten them Had to go back Love, Lovely that I actually do leave anywhere To be on time and plenty of time mm, Very so good So that was very good Because I thought oh, God, no, no, no. Well it's lucky for you Because I actually have my umbrella with me And I would be beating you around <laughs> the head with it by now uh, simply because I've got somebody who's dying to have one of the books you've had out, so oh dear. and I, I promised her that it would be back. Now, before before we um, go on to the new books, one of the books I reviewed last week, one of the the new books, also new books, are The Magician by Colin Tobin, um, which was the story of Thomas Mann. Us, we sort of were talking about how famous authors can sort of become. After they die, they become characters in their own right. And and I was listening to an interview with, that Kim Hill had with Vincent O'Sullivan, and she talked of a poem that somebody had written about him, and it was a, a poem about um, Vincent walking along the uh, railway um, station in Wellington, and suddenly he, he stepped aside and started to make notes in a notebook, and the poem, the poet wondered if he was writing a beautiful line for his next poem, or whether he was just uh, making a note to himself to buy tomatoes for his tea. And and Kim, obviously, it was a lovely poem, and it was written with affection. And but Vincent seemed sort of mildly horrified, and he said, "Oh no, that's that that's not me. I." I've never been a notebook man, and he he claimed that he's never he doesn't carry a notebook with him, and he's he according to him, if you know how you you can think of a a beautiful piece of or you know a really good line or something, you think God I must remember that till I get home and write that down, and his his theory is if it's any good you'll remember it, and if it's not you'll forget it. And I don't know if I hundred percent agree with him. Well, but, it's it's true because I did remember my books, but. You know, that's the sort of thing that writers quite often, you know, the, um, was it Coolidge with Kubler Khan and he was, he woke up from a fever dream and um, started to write the great poem and then he got, he was interrupted by the man turning up to get a collector's laundry and to, so the poem's only half written because by the time you arranged, got rid of the visitor, the, um, the poem, the inspiration was gone. And, yeah, this literature's full of stories like that. But anyway, what I'm sort of talking about is that I just thought it was amusing that so many writers hate being um, analysed from outside. They, they, I think writers tend to feel that their 
outside looking at other people and analysing other people and they hate the thought that other people are looking at them and analysing them. But of course, when you're a reader, you become fascinated by the people who write the things that you love. And uh, it's not as extreme as um, you know people have crushes on rock stars and film, and film stars, but people can sort of get crushes or they just desperately want to know more about a writer and I think that tends, tends to make writers a bit nervous I just thought it was quite funny the the horror that Vince he, he sort of concealed it nicely but he's and he's a nice friend I've met him once you know so I know all about him and he's a he's a very nice unassuming man so I think the the idea that somebody was watching him and then writing a poem about him was sort of mildly terrifying yeah I just thought that was a funny story. Anyway, we have we have more new books, and I have the latest Linda Laplante, Unholy Murder. Now she's best known, of course, for writing um, the Prime Suspect um, series, and she. So she essentially, uh, I find her her books maybe a little bit flat, where she's you know she's most well known for writing television series and. And she's very good at creating characters and, and setting up scenarios. But in a, in a novel, I think I find her just a little, like say, flat. I can't really describe it any better. Whereas, you know, I've watched TV series of, of hers and they are just like so bone chilling and exciting. Mm. And she is really good at, at these concepts. Well, she's got, taken her most famous character, Jane Tennyson, and gone back to the early days and is, is following Jane's career as she she moves up the ranks, but the sexism that she has to face. Mm. Actually, I know what you mean because I started writing, um, writing, reading um, the first Jane mm. Tennyson too. But the funny thing is, the book, I, I read it mm, quite a while ago, and the book is, I, mm. I can still remember it, but I do remember just seeing um, Helen Mirren yeah, yeah. in the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I think I think her books are interesting and stuff, but yeah, this, they're fascinating. But this, I don't think you, get, you don't get as emotionally gripped as you do mm. with some people, but she still can tell a good story. And this is, I think that's about the fourth one. And this is, She's um she's an inspector, so she or a super yeah, I don't know what she is, but she's got people underneath her, so mm. she's sort of on the first rings of mm. her of the thing. So she's no longer just a plain PC. And she's called out because these these guys in a building site they 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 got the digger, they were they'd brought this land from a convent convent convent. And they they were digging up to to level the foundations because they're building flats on on it, and as far as they're aware, it's just you know, straightforward land. But they come across a, a coffin, and of course you've got to call the police in, and it slows everything down. And as far as they are aware, nobody's been buried there, but it's, pro- it's you know it's a proper um, coffin and everything. So anyway, Jane and is called out to sort of look at it and she arranges it for be taken to the coroner and the, they open the casket up and there's a, a nun in the casket and everything looks quite straightforward. But then they notice that there are scratch marks inside the um the the lid of the of the coffin. So they so they 
have to investigate further because possibly the person, the nun, was put in while mm-hmm. she was still alive. And um, it all kicks off from there. And of course, we we're skullduggery in the Catholic Church. And yes. oh, I'm hooked. Give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> and it's called. I don't know if I said it's called unholy murder. Now, this is the um, latest orphan X book by Greg Horovich, and it's called Dark Horse. And I don't know, I've never, I've never quite gotten into the orphan I X. Mm. loved the first book. I think I may have read the second book, but not gone from there, but I just, I really loved the first mm. book. New, you see, new concept. Yeah. New, yeah, great. And I was thinking about it, and I think it start, Orphan X starts off, He's he's got this... Um, penthouse apartment and he's very much a man alone and he's although he's not a drifter like um, old Jack Reacher, Reacher yeah. but he, he is sort of in that mould, he's got a man with a set of, he's a man with a set of skills and he helps people and as the series has gone on he's collected more and more human baggage now this is supposed to, you know, more of his backstory has come out and suddenly he's got a mother and he's got aunts and, you know, and he's got He's got people he cares about, but he's no longer a man alone. He's sort of almost got too many sidekicks. And I think that's sort of what's kind of putting me off. But, you know, I know a lot of people just love Orphan X and it's going to be eaten up. And this one, the last one, he he actually traced his mother and it sort of ended with, you know, you think, oh, well, he's got this more family out there to find, but they've sort of gone sideways and he's actually been called to to help find a girl who's been kidnapped and taken to Mexico. But her father is a very bad man, and so he has this moral dilemma. Does does he help a bad man find uh, you know, his innocent daughter, or does he just go, you, you sort it out? Oh, we know what he's going to do. So. Yeah, yeah, we, we do know that. Imagine if uh, um, the two authors got together and wrote a book about Jack Reacher and Orphan X together. Well, it's, it's probably going to happen. Um, um, yeah, um, it's got a, a, a little quote on the thing from David Baldacci saying um, how how good it is. So maybe that one of David Baldacci's characters is going to turn up. But I just thought it made me think just how strong-minded Lee Child has been to keep Jack Reacher Jack Reacher, <laughs> Jack Reacher um, this man who who keeps travelling, this mm. man who who is a Rolling Stone. Mm. He never picks up any moss. Mm. He he might have flings with women, but nothing sticks to him. He just keeps going, and that although it sounds like a simple premise, I think it's probably harder to to keep going than it than it looks when you analyse it. It's it's, it's it's sort of so easy to write an acute orphan that you adopt or, or whatever, mm. but just to have Reacher keep going, and he's sort of in a way a man out of time, isn't he? Mm. He's just this, he gets more and more mythical as he goes on. Mm. Anyway, um, uh, it's a bit unfair to Greg Horovitz to keep talking about Jack Reacher <laughs> when so many people do love the Orphan X series. Yeah. Now, I've got another book by um, Charity Norman, um, I think the last book that came out for by her was about a siege, and um, 
Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but people really, um, The Secrets of Strangers. And that book, everybody who bought it back said, oh my goodness, I really loved that. But um, Charity Norman, she's she was born in Zimbabwe, brought up in England, and then her parents all moved to New Zealand, and so she, or her husband and her moved to New Zealand. And so she's a New Zealand writer, but she's got quite an international background. And she never writes the same book twice, so she's she's never going to go back to the thriller of The Secrets of Strangers. But this is another sort of a thriller. It's called Remember Me, and it's about a woman who grew up in New Zealand but lives in London now. And she's called back to New Zealand um, because her father is starting to exhibit signs of dementia. And... As as his dementia worsens, secrets from his past start to to reach out, or he he's this able he's less self contained, and so she's there with him, and she learns more about him. And as she learns more about him, she sort of wonders if she really does want to know her father's secrets, because about twenty years ago, a woman they live in a, a small town near the bush. And about 20 years ago, a young woman went missing and they never found her body, which is, you know, there's lots of stories like that in the New Zealand bush. People went out for a hike and um, they stepped over a ridgeway and then were never seen again. And, um, yeah, this, yes, I think you. Thank you. I've never read the other book. Okay. Yes, so if we can get the secrets of strangers out for me, that would be. Lovely. Your wish is my command. Now, I have the next in the Vinyl Detective series, and it's called Low Action. And this time, they're, they're, well, I guess they are, I mean, they always are hunting for um, a rare vinyl pressing, but it always gets mixed up with murder and and other such. And, And so... I have to say... This hasn't been made into a series or anything like that, and it has always surprised me because I thought, what a great, yes, uh, what a great um, kind of eccentric series that would be. And you can imagine all those great um, British actors um, who who would, you know, be in it. Well, you're actually really you're dead on the money there because, of course, um, Andrew Cartmel has has worked in television. He was. Um, he was a script supervisor for Doctor Who for a long time, oh. and he's he's written for Torchwood, um, which you know was sort of a, a sci-fi Doctor Who offshoot, and and other things. And so he he does come from that background, and he also write has started writing plays. So uh, yeah, I'm, and it's not as if you would need a huge budget. It's not like it's a science no. fiction. Yeah. You know, you don't have to invent a TARDIS no. and a whole lot of paper mache um, <laughs> creatures or anything like that. This is just people wandering around looking at records and, yeah. and being... A, and solving murders at the same time. Yeah, mm. and being a bit quirky. I mm. I agree. It would probably yeah. make a really fun murder. And people, people lap up that sort of thing. Well, I know I do, and I'm people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Now you say, I think you did on the money. I think you need to send an email to someone. (laughs) Yes, I don't know who, but maybe I should. Anyway, this time um, a guy, um, 
Eric McLeod, who is an ex-rock um, star, a sort of successful one, or successful enough to have enough money to, to sort of lounge around and do <laughs> be all now, he's got himself a girlfriend who is Helene um, Heidelditch, um, also known as Howling Halbitch, because <laughs> she was in an all-girl punk outfit, the Blue Tits. Look, excuse me, this is this is just what they're called. And um, she's a mean guitarist, so it's sort of a match made in heaven, And um, except somebody keeps trying to kill her. So, of course, he, he turns to his semi-friend, the um, vinyl detective, to try and sort things out. And, of course, then they decide that they need to find a rare pressing of the Blue Tits' first album. So many r- much rummaging will be going on for the, the Blue Tits. You know, it's it's funny, but in the books, in a way, the bits I enjoyed most were him describing his methods of finding these just yeah. sort of somebody's modus operandi. It's just it's fascinating how mm. people go about a job is really quite interesting. And yeah. yeah, and it's something I've never thought about and I've never wanted to do myself. But <laughs> you know, for 10, 15 minutes, it's like, mm, yes, that's, that's how you would do it. Yes. Mm. Look, I'm very excited about this next one. Is this about Rachel Walsh? Yes, it's called Again Rachel by Marion Keys. And I'm sorry, it's already booked to somebody else. Yes, but you, but you, you will get um, it in we're time. Having, we're having a sting and we're going to talk this out. We'll be back when the sting is over. I tell you. For more information on the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, go to www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz. That's Dunedin, A-T-H-E-N-A-E-U-M.org.nz. This is war. Yes, I think it's a good thing that I have my umbrella with me. I'm going to have to beat my way out of the studio. It is not only my own flesh and blood, <laughs> my sister, who put, where is she? She's not here. No, I'm sorry. I'm uh, texting her right now. It is her birthday, you know. It was my birthday last year and you didn't send me a book. I'm afraid. I know how terrible she is at returning books. Well, you'll just have to turn up her place and hear her. <laughs> now, I, I'm actually reading this myself, and I am enjoying it. Now, I think part of the reason is the first Walsh sister book I ever read was Rachel's Holiday. Me too. Yeah. and No, it wasn't. The, yes, it was. Yeah. Mm. The, she actually had written one before called Watermelon, but I didn't read Watermelon until much later. And she... I mean, she's very clever with these Welsh sisters, and she's written a book about each of them. And in each book, you tend to have the, the sisters are very interconnected, and they're always phoning each other, FaceTiming, and discussing things mm-hmm. with each other, and going to various weddings and whatnot. So, in each book, you've got glimpses of Rachel and how together she is now, and how she's fabulous, and this and that. And it's sort of it's nice to sort of catch up with her and think, oh, yeah, Rachel's doing really well. Fantastic. Now, this is a book about Rachel again, and she things have fallen apart. Um, Luke's, Luke left her six years ago, and she's, and she's moved back to Ireland, and she's now the head counsellor at um, the place where she, the cloisters, I think it's oh, called. Oh, yeah. The place where she yeah. went to get yeah. sober. And so a lot of this book is... Um, you were at following her in her work day and in the sessions and seeing how 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 
to counselling sort of works to unpick addicts and try and get them to understand themselves and, and to accept that they actually do have a problem. And I think it works because, of course, Marion Key is an addict herself and she attends meetings and, and everything. And so she's been through that process and she's she's heard these stories. And so it's not... It's kind of heartfelt. It's not something that she's read in books or anything. It's more personal experiences. And at the end, she actually thanks people for sharing stories or letting her mm. take their stories and put it in fiction because, of course, yeah, she would have you know, heard from different people different things. So, And I really was enjoying it. But what I'm enjoying is she's very clever. at um, When she's writing a book about somebody, you're in them and you, you you can understand them and you get all these insecurities and stuff. And of course you you know, you yourself have all these insecurities and you see other people and you think, Oh yeah, aren't they doing grand? They're they're fantastic and they're wonderful. And it's sort of so you get to see with the Walsh sisters you get to see characters from two perspectives. And so like we've been seeing Rachel from for her sister's eyes and she's grand, she's doing well. And now you're back with her and she is grand and she's doing well, but she she also has a lot of coping strategies and she not and also when we first met her she was in her twenties and she was a she was a mess. Mm. Now she's in her forties and she's she's not a mess, but she knows that what it would take to send her over mm. and how she and so she's also she's gotta be very careful with herself because she's aware that she's got a very super addictive personality and she has all these coping strategies and it's kind of amusing. And so she's She's onto herself, but, you know, as much as a person can be. I just am loving it. Oh, great. Please, for you. I don't think um, all the sisters had their own book. I don't think Helen did. Yeah, Helen did. Um, Mercy, the Mystery of Mercy Close. Have you not read that? I'm going to have to give you it, because that's actually one of my favourites. Oh, and well, I... Yeah, no, I haven't read it. I always, yeah, I hope um, Rachel's parents are still alive yes, in this book. Yes. Oh, good. They are. Love the father. Oh, God. In fact, I should go back and reread mm. those books, see if I still love them as much as I did. I remember Lucy Sullivan's getting married. Yeah, but that that's not a Walsh system. No, I know mm. that. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I was, I'm kind of thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to go back and I'm just going to start with Watermelon and I'm going to read them mm. all through again in order. Because um, I think I think because they're such fun to read, you sort of don't realise just how good they actually mm. are. Mm. And and also, and I, I tend to sort of, with something that I'm really enjoying, I read them too quickly. Yeah. I think mm. I want to go back and just read them at a slow mm. pace mm. and enjoy them. So oh, Wise words. Yes. Oh, I hope Contr- Katrina enjoys it. Quickly. <laughs> Actually. Well, don't be all bitter because you know where she lives. You can You can just go and... You can bombard her with text if you finish yet. No, you? I wouldn't be like that. I'm not that rude. Just say it over the ear. <laughs> I suppose it's okay. I'm sure Katrina never listens to this. <laughs> She's actually quite famous once removed, really, isn't she? She has brought up quite a lot on this program. Well, that's right. Yeah. What else can we tell you about Katrina? <laughs> she's very slow returning. In fact, she's worse than Beth. <laughs> You never know they were sisters. 
It's genetic. It's not our fault. <laughs> I think it's the way your mother brought you. Now, your mother was very good. She always returned her books always. on time. I know. How dare you disparage my <laughs> dearly departed mother. There must be a plot in there somewhere for, for Marianne well, Keys. Your mother, in between some very good trifle making and mowing the lawn, managed to get through a regular amount of books and return them on time. Why can't you be more like your mother? I know. Well, look, they were multitaskers back then, and she raised six children at the same time. As I'm, managing to re- oh, look historical romances—they're very easy to read. Not like you know, funny Irish authors, which take a bit of time. <laughs> Or murder mysteries, especially Scandinavian ones, because you have to go back and reread all the grisly bits so you don't miss one picture in your mind of it. Oh, Beth, you don't, do you? I oh, see, I, I I'm I'm a skipper. It gets a bit gruesome. I skip. Ah, oh, you're just Mary Poppins. You are. No, oh. oh, yeah, you got your umbrella. <laughs> what a shame we don't have a staircase. You can show us. You will shop it. <laughs> anyway. That was lovely. Thank you, Christine. And I'm just telling everyone, Christine's birthday. So happy birthday to you. And um, I'm sure uh, you and Katrina will have your own lovely little birthday book club tonight. I don't care. I'm not jealous. Until next time, everyone. Oh, so hard dealing with sisters. <laughs> happy reading. It's happy reading. The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute welcomes new members. Enjoy the Athenaeum's quiet, warmly carpeted library and reading room and share in the joy of books, new and old. Visit www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz for more information or pop into the Athenaeum Library at number 24, The Octagon. The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, celebrating Dunedin's rich literary heritage since 1851. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.